your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan following, well, a whole lot of not a lot in terms of Everton Football Club over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, following the Derby, we have been gone nearly two weeks without doing an episode, but we are back ahead of Everton's clash with West Ham at the weekend to give you a injury update on players and also a update on all of our players who are out on loan. It should be an exciting episode. We're looking forward to discussing it all. Before we do that, a reminder to leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. I don't know, guys. I mean, I, I feel like we should just get right into it. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks. Hope you've both been well and uh, relaxing without the Toffees and their injury problems to stress us out. But we're back to discuss it, I guess. Yeah, no, it's been good. Let's hop into it. So we got Pickford first because he's the most recent with a thigh injury and he's out uh, through the international break for sure. Um, Begovic is going to step up in his place. So really the question is obviously what kind of impact are we going to see? Um, you know, some might say we were lucky because the Arsenal match last weekend was postponed. So now we will just see, uh, presumably at least hopefully, uh, Pickford out for the West Ham match this coming weekend. Yeah, it was, I mean, we we're a little unclear on exactly how many matches would be postponed. They were talking about potentially this weekend's matches being postponed as well. Turns out we're going to go ahead. Slightly altered kickoff time, moved ahead just 15 minutes. Um, But look, Pickford coming off a incredible display in the Derby, stopping shots. Going to be a miss for us. Begovic has just had the one appearance this year, and he looked solid. Uh, I I think it's fortunate to only be without Pickford for a single game. But... uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what Begovic brings in his absence. I think he's a solid enough backup. I think he'll do a a fine job, but we will miss Pickford's uh, presence in between the posts for sure for me. He's been outstanding. I mean, there's no question about it. I I think it's almost got some people out there thinking that we don't really have defensive issues. I've heard a lot of people saying that like Frank has solved the defensive problems that Seen a lot has. A lot and now what we need to do is get attacking players and score more goals. Uh, I think that's preposterous, to be perfectly honest. I mean, if you look at the advanced you know, saving metrics in terms of looking at post-shot expected goals versus how many goals we've, we've conceded, I mean, we're leading the league. We're at plus 3.4 after six matches. I mean, that is a super high number. Now, Pickford's been a little inconsistent and is a little streaky in that regard. But that's not an indication that our defense isn't the issue. I mean, people look at it and say, well, you know, look, we've only given up six goals against, right? The best in the league is four and then five. We're we're way up there. Well, look at expected goals against. And actually, we're second worst in the entire league. Yeah. Um, And so I think think that's part of the issue here is he's really saving our tails right now. Again, small sample size. Um, The only good thing is, though, we've seen that Begovic is pretty controlled in passing the ball and and maybe that will help us at least keep possession a little bit. So uh, I'm hopeful that's the positive impact um, and that he just kind of stays mistake-free for the most part. And I think that's the most you can help. Yeah, and I think that's doable for him too. Like you said, I've always been impressed pretty much by uh, Begovic when he comes in for us in the cup matches, et cetera. Um, So next up, we've got Lonergan out um, with a knee injury, uh, out for another few weeks per Adam Jones. And so this is, this is the funny part. We had a we had a last minute emergency signing. Are you ready for this, boys? Eldon Jakopovich, thirty seven years old, Swiss. Swiss. He just left. Yeah, Swish. He just left Leicester City. It's a tongue twister. Uh, as a free agent this last summer, he signed on a short term contract. Uh, really interesting to hear. Interested to hear uh, what you guys think about what this means for Everton Football Club. Well, he had a massive impact at Leicester over, I think he signed there uh, after playing at Hull. Um, so I think he's been there since 2017, and I believe he has two appearances. So um, I don't know, Alex, there's not really, James, not really strong sample size here. Look, the bottom line is we better hope he doesn't play. Um, I, I will say this, though, I'm kind of curious what the impact is on, um, on, on some of our other players, because you think we would just kind of go to 
the U21s. And we have a lot of keepers there too. Um, uh, I mean, Luke Levin is is a good player, but he's very young. I don't know what's going on with Billy Creelan, though. Uh, he's pretty important. I mean, he's 22 years old at this point. We've got him for two more years, meaning as his deal doesn't expire till 2024. I think maybe he was coming off an injury, but I mean, you wouldn't just put him on the bench. I mean, don't you guys find that? He hasn't been playing in PL2, so I'm assuming he's not healthy, but wouldn't you just put one of those guys on the bench? Yeah, why don't you just give a youth guy a shot? I mean, you're signing a, a backup for pennies, who's just kind of a token signing so that you have at least a backup keeper to put on the bench. And as you say, God forbid, we have to see him appear in the match, but you got to cover your bases, I guess. Um, it does you know, seem like a kind of golden opportunity to let a young kid at least ride pine at you know, the Premier League level. Well, it's it's interesting. Remember, they were we were linked to David Harrington, the uh, keeper at Cork City, the 22-year-old. Um Someone, maybe it was Sean Conn, was upset when he found out he was only like six one or something. It's like, <laughs> come on, we need more tall people. Um, you know, accusing the Discord of being biased to tall people. Which, you love tall people. An I, accurate accusation. That's not true. That's not fair at all. I mean, I'm relatively tall and well, you know. Um, but no, in all seriousness, Uh-oh. this guy's numbers, you gotta, I mean, they're, they're the, like I ran, you know, I do all my data models and I help kind of target which players I'm going to watch and stuff when I'm doing kind of independent scouting stuff. He is, his numbers for senior level players are so much better than any keeper out there. Like I do like percentage of distribution, like grades and stuff on him on a hundred scale. He's at like 94. No one's over 90. So he's just been unbelievable for Cork. Now, I haven't really watched him. I have no idea if he's that great. But it would have been interesting we signed him. We could have solved this lovely problem. Um, No, let's hope he doesn't play. I mean, how ridiculous are our injuries? I mean, is this not kind of like the epitome of everything that? I think we need more locker room leaders. That's what I I do. And you think (laughs) Eldon provides that? That's right. That's right. This man's name is Eldon. He's going to pull up. What what does All that right. mean? His name is Eldon. So we His suddenly list. Do you think he's like some wide wise mage who's going to walk in there with yes tapes and gonna, trinkets? There are there are a lot of implications, but nonetheless, you've been watching the Rings of Power, haven't you? <laughs> I am the Ring of Power. All right. So next up, Dominic Calvert Lewin. This is a good one. Uh, currently in full training, hopeful of an appearance this Sunday. So the real question we saw um, we saw Mope start the last match he's looking good obviously he's fit or presumably will be even more fit uh against west ham so you know do we think dominic calvert lewin starts does he come off the bench what kind of impact are we looking at i'm thinking you gotta ease him back this is too scary to have him go down right as the season starts and be out for an extended period of time i'd love to see him get 20 minutes 30 minutes off the bench if that's the level he's at I don't think there's any chance he goes directly into the starting lineup. I think we're going to be very cautious. And Mopay did well enough in the Derby that I think Frank will feel totally comfortable starting him again, assuming that he can escape the next couple of days, knock on wood, without injury. So for me, it's you got to be a, take a very measured approach with Calvert-Lewin. We know how important he's going to be for the team when fit and what a, how good he looked in preseason when we watched him in Baltimore. So I, I don't think you can risk him. I think he's a clear... If he even comes off the bench, I think that's the the most we would see of him. I think it's going to be interesting how they can use both in the future. Frank doesn't seem interested in playing two center forwards, which is fine. And so if he's if we ever go back to that three four three, for example, I think Frank always intends that to be kind of a three four two one. Like he he likes those not really wide guys. He likes them to be almost like tens. So I mean, Mope could maybe play that position. Uh, he's just mostly been at Brighton as part of a two or a single center forward. Yeah, I, why not? I mean, I don't think you need to risk it. But again, I'll leave that to the sports science guys. <laughs> All right, next up, <clears throat> similar story. Ducore is finally also back in full training, hopeful of an appearance this Sunday. I think, uh, you know, we've discussed it. I I think it's unanimous that Ganagay is probably our best central midfielder, so he's going to be a lock. But the question is now, you know, same story. Do you risk him? Does he take Onana's spot in the midfield? What do you guys think? Uh, this one's hard for me. It just depends on if he's fully fit. Onana has played well. Um, assuming we play 4-3-3 three, three again, uh, gone at the six and and Onana at kind of the eight and Awobi next to him being a little more advanced makes sense. I still firmly believe if they're both fully fit to Corey, still a little bit better player right now. Uh, I know a lot of people disagree with me about that. I don't. I, I think for some reason there's a small 
sector of lunatics in Twitter that think DeCorey is suddenly a bad player. I think that's a fascinating take. I don't know why. Um, but look, if he's not fully fit, I mean, Onan has been playing well. I, I think the future of this team eventually is going to be Onan in there. So I mean, let's give him a shot. I mean, he's also maybe a better fit playing against West Ham in terms. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'd love to see him both eventually together against a team like West Ham, which has some size in the midfield. will look to bully a little bit um, because no one's bullying those two. That would be pretty, pretty interesting. But no, I think you go with Anana, and and if you need to bring Dukes off the bench, you do it. Yeah, not going to disagree. Keep it short. Same thing. Ease him back from injury. Onana, although Onana just keeps taking a beating in every single game he plays in. He does. I'm a little scared that he's going to just kind of be in the firing line and end up picking up a knock at some point in the near future. So it's quick feet. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, long I, legs, dude, spider yeah, legs. Are crazy. He can move, though. That's the nice part about it. You know, you see guys like that that can't move. Did you see the 24 uh, seven thing with him or not? Not there's 24 seven thing with the Wobie, And then they released the thing on Onana signing and whatnot. And the, the physio kept remarking like how like like kept pushing like the flexibility <laughs> test. Yeah. Saying, are you good? He's like, no, no, you can keep going. No, you can go. And he's like, wow. Um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty fascinating. The real issue for me is what happens if Adrissagana gay just can't finish game or he's not quite fit. I mean, who comes in to play that six? We saw Nano play it before with Decorey there. It's nice because you have a little more options there too. So either way, this is a good thing either way, I think though. Yeah, no doubt. Headaches are always good. So next up, Holgate, not exactly sure as to when he'll return. It sounds like it might be a couple weeks. So I I don't know that he's going to feature for West Ham in the squad, but you know, obviously that means that we are limited in our uh, selections at center back. Um, how are y'all feeling about what that means for our setup maybe against West Ham? I think, look, it's going to be, I think we're hopefully going to stick with the back four. And even though Cody and Tark kind of terrify me as a back four, they looked good enough against Liverpool. In a game where we're going to try to control the ball more, I think they're both okay in possession. It's just getting caught out in any type of movement that they have to do. Leaves us a little vulnerable, which is where someone like Mason Holgate, who is not the most mobile, but slightly more mobile than either of those two, might help. But he's also, you know, poor decision maker a lot of the time. We talked about the hoof balls ad nauseum on the show. So I, I think you kind of, I think Frank's going to, frankly, just no pun intended, go for as few changes as possible from the Derby where we looked really good. So um, Holgate, after the break, it'll be good to have those rotation options, but I don't think he, you know, if we have any semblance of fitness at center half, he's the last guy to be picked, I think, if if you ask me. I don't see how he makes an impact. I mean, I wouldn't play him ahead of Cody, and Cody is not good in a back four. So I think that says it all, really, about <laughs> Mason Holgate. Um, from a distribution standpoint, obviously, Cody is far superior. Um, I think some of the quickness stuff in a higher line is a little bit overrated, honestly. I think instinct and positioning, I think, can win out. And it's not like Holgate is so rapid like Ben Godfrey is that Ben can he can really make up a big difference. And Holgate, I actually think, is better playing deeper, but jumping up and picking off passes and and having the freedom to be aggressive. Um, So asking him to be more disciplined and play kind of together is probably not the right solution anyway. But I'll tell you what, I, I very much look forward to the day when this is not our center back cadre. Uh, because I really look at this team and I find I struggle to find two that I feel super happy with, um, except for the next guy we're going to talk about if he's healthy. I was about to say, I knew everyone's feelings were going to change with the next name on the list, and that is Yeri Mina. He's out with an ankle injury. It looks like he's going to be about another month, so we're looking at mid-October. Um, I think I know what you guys are going to say, but what kind of impact are we looking at with Yerry Mina out? And, and then obviously when he comes back, you know, do you think he displaces one of Cody or Tark? Yes, in- he, wa- he walks into the side immediately without question. No problem. I don't care who you take out. He practically walks into the team with like a broken leg. Like he's that much better than everybody else. Uh, and, and I think with Yerry Mina, like y- you can talk about easing him back like you did with the other guys. But at this point, I think if he ca- he's fit to run for any period of time, you just get him in the side and hope that, you know, you know, it's not going to be for very long because the next injury is probably around the corner. Unfortunate oh, as it is that it's so I'm true, sorry, Ryan, but I just 
it's super frustrating. But I think when you have him, it's like lightning in a bottle. You just got to use it to your advantage, get him on the pitch, let him make his impact, and then see what happens. Like, I don't think you, I, I'm sure they'll take a cautious approach, which is can, what can, you would actually do, obviously. But you know what I'm can, saying? Where it's like, he's fit for like a, an instant. And I just want to see him play as much as possible for that finite amount of time. Can you imagine if he was on against Liverpool with with Darwin Nunes? Do you? He would have his oh. blood boiling so hard. He it would have been the has. best thing ever. He I have to go back. I have to go back and look at what's what he's done to him in Copa America and qualifying. True, um, exactly. You know, Uruguay is is blessed with a lot of good strikers, so you know he doesn't necessarily always see the field, which is ridiculous, by the way, if you really think about that. Compared to our mighty United States um, <laughs> and our center forward issue, which ain't ain't so good. Um, that, that the MLS I, keeps tweeting about. Oh, what is up with that, man? Like division of labor, please. Um, All right, well, let's, uh... No, no, no. But look, I, I think one thing that's worth noting about Yuri Mina is that, yeah, I think he instantaneously replaces someone. But I, I think it, it is it would be very interesting and fun to watch him play together with Tarkowski and then put like Mope on the pitch. And you just have the biggest <sighs> bunch of wind ups you've ever seen. Like, can you I imagine? Set pieces? Say that. I mean, set pieces, the, the other team borderline would just start throwing punches i mean it would be hilarious fantastic the level of rage that they would incite in the opposition that's what we need is legendary i, I can't wait need a little bit i'm we tired of the nice guys no yeah i think we've gotten a lot got rid of a lot of those that's right. for sure but yes i mean look and, and then the last one uh, you know alex yeah know last is, couple yeah last couple so we've got godfrey we've already mentioned him fractured fibia um Three months reported time of the injury, so that puts him at mid-November. Obviously, big impact, but not much to say about him yet. And, and you know, that's that's still so far out, you never know. Um, no, but you know what? I, I will say this about him. I was kind of excited to see him feature in a three for a bit this year, because I think it might be something that would kind of snap him out of of kind of last year's very poor performance. And it wasn't all, all, all him. You know, he made a lot of mistakes. Michael Keane made a lot of mistakes, the same type of thing. And it's just a shame the injury happened when it did and and i can't help but think as he comes back eventually being eased in at a couple different positions again i mean sometimes you just feel like he's almost destined to be that type of player but no doubt we could use him now for sure yeah and lastly we've got townsend all i've got to say is it's gonna be a while don't hold your breath on that one folks (laughs) do not he'll be and, and even when he's back like he's not seeing the pitch he was the he was the rafa benitez token guy to bring in gesture to the old manager and he scored some bangers for us but don't see any way he fits in this tactic at all no he doesn't seem his ball control is not good enough he's not going to deal very well in a possession-based team it will be actually very interesting to see what happens even in the next i feel like saudi's window is open for another day or so but i can't imagine we see any outs now but i mean it's not crazy that we wouldn't see someone like rondon or even townsend move in january but we'll see and we're going to get into the loan update in just a minute. But before we do, take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. All right, people, we're back. After discussing the injuries, let's uh, try to make things a, a little more positive, I guess. And we'll also take a bit more of a long form view as we go through. Can, you, the, can I uh, just mention something like notice how any other team, if you were to do the injury <laughs> update, it would be like 30 seconds. Like we're playing <laughs> West. We're playing West Ham who's never, ever injured. They've got one guy out and it's the guy they just bought. So like he didn't even get a chance to like be part of the magical R and on R under West Ham and not get injured. So yeah, theirs would be like thirty seconds. Only at Everton will it take half a segment. We just did damn near twenty minutes on just injuries, but we're gonna talk <laughs> right, about so sad. <laughs> Everton that, as you said, Ryan. But let's get into the loan update because we do have a bunch of guys out on loan. For the purposes of this segment, we're gonna go through and kind of give a summary of what our various loanees have done in their time thus far. It's still very early in the season. And then talk about kind of the what we view as the best case scenario for them and if they have a future with Everton or not. So without further ado, Ryan, why don't you kick us off? Happy to. Let's talk about first our own Niels in Kunku. He is on loan at Cardiff City. They had a slew of injuries that left back. So he's playing a lot. Uh, I know he played the last two 90 minutes. They lost both. They're in 22nd, um, and, you know, reports I got, it's it's kind of what you think, you know, raw athleticism up and down, some mistakes on defense, but made some plays on offense. So that's the real question. I mean, what, what do we think is the best case here? He did sign an extension. It gives us two more years, I think. And do we think he has a future with Everton? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the best case scenario is that, you know, he 
Essentially, his Cardiff City loan goes well. He plays a lot. They do better than they're doing currently by a mile, hopefully. Um, and we're able to sell him for some sort of a profit. I, I don't think that he has, you know, a real future at Everton. I think this was going to be his last year. So, you know, the extension, I don't think really speaks to what we view him as in terms of a player for Everton, but more so just, um, you know, as an investment and seeing a loan through. So, uh, you know, it was it was nice while it lasted, I suppose. He was so cheap that, you know, you sell him for $2 million, yeah. you're turning a pretty significant profit. So um, I, I think I agree with you, Alex. I think that's probably the best case. Don't see a future for him. Although he is just so fast, man. The kid is just so fast. He's a good athlete. He's just He's not got a some ability. maker. He does. Yeah. I mean, when he gets the line, he can do some things. He's a little bit creative at times. He's got a couple tricks. But as we saw, if you're inconsistent in Belgium... You know, it's kind of what level are you really at? So we'll see how it goes. I, I, I hope it goes well. There's no pressure on him necessarily, an immediate pressure for someone to displace him. They're kind of stuck having two big injuries. So he's going to get a shot. Um, let's hope he takes it. So um, next player, Ellis Sims. Um, he's on loan at Sunderland. So his partner in crime up top, Ross Stewart, is out for six to, or, uh, yeah, six to eight weeks. So Sims is going to play even more. But since he scored those three goals in his first two matches, he's played full-time four out of the last five, hasn't scored, and Sunderland has only won two of those five. Um, There are some expectations at this club. I don't think they're expecting to just jump back up into the league, but Ellis Sims, I believe his contract is up um, in 2024, so he'll come back in the summer with one year left, assuming he goes and stays the whole time. So what do we think? I'll say this. There is no fan base that gets carried away with a youth player scoring goals on loan like Everton. People were like, oh, is Sims the answer at striker in the future? No, no, he's not. I mean, he could be. I could be wrong. I want to hedge that. Sunderland sitting at sixth in the championship right now, despite the losing streak. Still very early. I think Sims' ceiling is probably somewhere in the championship. I don't think he has the athleticism really for the Premier League, but the kid scores goals. Like he finds himself in good positions and he's a really good finisher. I just don't think he's not really like a target guy, though he can hold the ball up. I don't really know, you know, scoring goals. You can make a lot of money doing that, but I see him doing that probably not in the top division in England. So that's what I view. And, and therefore, I think eventually he'll probably be sold, ideally after a really strong performance this season or next. Got to agree with you. You know, another player that, you know, and and that's okay too. That's okay to produce young talent that has a level such as that, because we haven't even been producing talent that has that level recently on a consistent basis. So, um, all positive. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the thing about him is his movement's really smart. He's a good, smart player. His feet are just slow. You know, he's just not that agile, not that quick. It limits a little bit what he can do, but James, to your point, he can finish. The guy can score and he's a big body. So, I mean, you could you could see someone taking a chance at him on him, but ultimately, I think we're set at that position unless Dom leaves. Um, we've done already the study on the American Toffee podcast. It's very rare that any club that plays a single striker has more than two pure center forwards. And although Sims has played elsewhere for other people, I, I can't imagine him playing outside a center forward at least at the top level. So, um, still only twenty one though, Ryan. I mean, he's he is still young. It, that's true. I mean, you can't argue that. And I think he's 22, I think, in January. Um, but I, I guess look at it this way. So, OK, um, in that position, what are the fees looking like typically? And so you kind of look at some center forwards out there and stuff. And it seems like a lot more people are leaving on freeze now. So I think it's a little harder. But I mean, you've got guys that have gotten sizable fees for players that play in the championship. Uh, maybe they don't quite have his his profile. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you get could you get three, four million for him? I mean, if he really bangs him in, I mean, you could get maybe seven, eight. I mean, you know, that's that's not nothing. I mean, that's significant. You know, I mean, I think about players like, um, you know, like, uh, I mean, I think some of the guys that went into the championship. I mean, if Middlesbrough is willing to drop three million dollars on Matthew Hoppy, like, and and UCL Sims comes and bangs him in, I mean, would they not do the same thing for him? English homegrown, that type of thing. So, so I mean, I think there's a chance if he does really well, we could get a nice fee for him. And I think that's probably the right destination. And like you said, Alex, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Um, all right. Let's talk about the new Turkish legend right now, Deli Ali. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he went 79 and 70 minutes uh, in his first two matches with 
Besiktas. Um, he had a goal in his last match. He did. Uh, I was a little confused how he's playing. I've seen some of the matches. He was playing deeper when I was watching him, almost like a holding a six. Um, I think the option is something if they buy him in January or before January, it's like six million pounds. If, if not afterwards, they can wait and make it eight million. That's still a lot of money for a Turkish club, even though they do have some money. This one I'll be interested. I mean, best case scenario is he just lights it up here, right? And but what does that mean? Yeah, it doesn't mean a whole lot for Everton, right? It, it just the same story as the last couple guys. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's come out even still at Everton that his training, you know, wasn't the best in terms of effort and commitment made, um, which I think probably makes sense regarding how we saw his use or lack lack thereof, especially last season when you you thought maybe we needed someone or a guy like him. Uh, so hopefully he does light it up. Hopefully he finds his uh, joy for football and motivation to keep going at a, at a top, um, at, at a good level, but otherwise money. Money me, please money, give us money. I know we're probably going to end up, you know, I don't know what the, you know, it's, the deal's so weird because we never executed that option with Spurs and then moved him on. So I'm assuming they're going to get some sort of residual payments, a significant part of whatever we end up recouping for him. But as Alex said, let's get let's get paid. I hope he lights it up. I hope he scores 20 goals. Even if we don't, I mean, is there any chance he's going to play for Everton again, knowing that if he gets seven more appearances, we're going to owe 10 million bucks? Do we think there's any chance of that happening? No. Zero. Because after this loan starting in the summer, what he's got six months. That's it. Because he was a January buy, I think, for two and a half years, something like that. That was the rest of his contract that we just kind of took on. Yeah. I, I don't see I just think he has no future with Everton whatsoever. So all right, Jared Branthwaite. Um at PS they. Um look, he's not played a ton. He did go over ninety in a seven one victory versus uh Voldendom, which I mean, that's the thing, man. Some of these teams they play in the bottom end of of the um, Eredivisie is not not real good, and that's kind of the knock on this league. I know we talked a bit about what this would mean for him and how it may benefit him or not. Um, I, I still think, though, it looks like some of their injuries, they've come back a little quicker than they thought. I don't see him playing a whole lot, um, but I, I don't know. What, what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Well, I watched him come on as a sub at the weekend in like this, whatever, 56th, 50th, 60th minute or so when they were locked in a draw and then they were gifted a stoppage time penalty to win um but but hey they are in the group stage though of of the europa league so it's worth mentioning there are more matches at least for him to potentially feature right so they'll need some degree of rotation in that area we know the kid has a ton of potential this move you know it's almost team playing in europe everton aren't in europe they're probably arguably a better overall squad than we are at the moment at least in some capacity so it's it's a weird move for him to go there, even though, of course, we have so many center backs. He was likely never going to play. That but, sub was so weird, by the way, in that match, the RKC I, match. No. Like, why did you bring him on? And we scored. It had nothing to do with him. He basically sat back in the middle and everyone went up. I guess it was to bring Tezzi up farther or something, which is weird considering he already had an attacking right back. I, I don't. Whatever. He played a couple played a couple nice passes under absolutely zero pressure whatsoever. They right. were kind of dominating the ball. So I didn't get a good feel for how he'll do, but. Yeah, it's it's a weird move. It doesn't see if he gets the minutes, then great. That's a ton of exposure for a kid to the European stage. He'll develop a ton, but he, I don't. I guess we just kind of have to wait and see. I still have really high hopes for Branthwaite. I still think he's one of the guys that you could see have a future at Everton um, if he can continue to develop on the trajectory he's on because he's got the size, he's got the speed to go with the size, and he's got the ball playing ability. So uh, I, I'm optimistic about Branthwaite's future more, certainly more so than the last few guys we've talked about. Yeah, so look, the bottom line is he does have those things that you can't teach. You'd love to see him come back. Scouts are really mixed on him, by the way. I mean, I've heard everything from his ceiling is massive to I don't see any way this guy's ever going to be good. He's a ball watcher, you know, that type of thing. But again, I mean, I, I personally think that's a little judgy. I mean, he's 20 years old. I mean, let's I mean, he's 20 years old. It's really quite amazing if you really think about it, right? I mean, but 20, isn't that a scout's isn't that kind of a scout's job to to be judgy? <laughs> like literally the definition of the job. Are you saying I'm judging? Uh, yeah, yeah, you are. You're supposed to be. But I think it's really hard to try and, you know, magically project someone who's 20, who's already playing a level well beyond his age and really make too much of it. I mean, certainly there are certain inherent aspects of a player that, okay, yeah, you can write some guys off at 20, no problem. 
but he's got so many tools that you think it could come alive. But anyway, there's no hurry on him, really. Um, you know, his deal still goes for a little bit. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, let's hope he gets a good experience there in a different environment and hopefully he gets on the ball a lot and it gives him a different appreciation for it. Um, should we have kept him? Maybe. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, think about him right now. Was it, Would he be in there? Would we have moved for Cody? <sighs> I still think I still think as far as far as leadership, Frank would have been banging the drum for Cody. I was just going to add to your your comment about his time. I hope he comes back saying that's football about literally everything that is related to football. Oh well, God. that's football. Uh, I love it. I hope he comes just and he he has the very like Dutch directness that you had in like Ted Lasso because that's what we need. What Jan and Ted Lasso? Yep. Yep. Anyway, like when he tells the goalie, you should have saved that one. Uh, <laughs> that's so great. Anyway, all right, moving on. Um, but he is at least one to watch, and I think a very interesting one, so I'm glad we spent a little bit of time on it. All right, let's talk about Andre Gomes or Gomsch. Um, We know he went to Lille. We know they're paying the vast majority. Well, they're paying a lot of his wages. Um, he did play, finally got in. I think his first 37 minutes was a win against Montpellier. Uh, again, James is the one who can pronounce that stuff, not me. So I'm not going to try to, I've already had a little fun with his namesake and the fact that he's replacing both a Gomes and an Andre, which is totally bizarre. Uh, we think he's going to have chance to play. It's, I saw someone on Twitter totally trash his performance, but I mean, I I think that's a little ridiculous. I watched a little bit of it. I mean, 34 out of 37 passes. I mean, this isn't once some like tragedy or anything. Uh, And he went 30 minutes again, again, their loss against Olympic Marseille, but Marseille's a top side. So um, I I don't think you can make up a whole lot about what this guy's going to be like. He hasn't played in so long and he's just coming off the bench. Um, But either way, let's assume he eventually does get in the mix. He plays a lot. Do we think he has a future at Everton? No, I, you know, he, he hasn't had a future at Everton for a while. I don't think he's with the right profile that we need. I think we're making a lot of, or we have made a lot of excited signings and in the center of the pitch, um, that I would look forward to seeing playing more than I would Andre Gomez and, and the wages are too high. So glad we got him on loan. Lil are paying most of the wages and, and hopefully he can do well and, and, you know, continue somewhere else next year. Yeah, I sure hope he has a future in Europe, but not with Everton football club. I wish the best for the guy, nothing but success, but somewhere else, please, anywhere, literally anywhere else is, is okay. And hopefully he, you know, turns it on for, for Lille. Um, that's all we can hope for. There's some guy out there that is just trashing him on his two appearances, and it's just so harsh, and I don't quite understand it. I mean, really? Like, here's his, his translated quote. Like, Andre Gomes' entry against OM has been catastrophic for Lille. It has not brought the Northerners closer to the goal, but rather the opposite. Granted, he's doing this in Spanish, but, you know, whatever, which is ironic considering he's writing about French football. So, OK, um, slow in movement, very little aggressive in pressure and playing with many touches very far from that version we saw in Valencia. That yeah, does sound like he's Everton not playing Andre. even in the same function, though. Like, what are you talking about? What were you going to see in Valencia? He was much more of a attacking player. So I just think some people you just got to kind of ignore. Anyway, let's move on to. um our beloved, always injured until he leaves Everton, and then he's perfectly healthy, um, J.P. Bameen. So uh, we talked about how he moved to um, the Turkish champions. Um, he is, I mean, he pretty much was right into the lineup, right? I mean, he even subbed on at half in the first match versus Galatasaray in that draw. Um, he's played only 50 the last two, but before that he went 101. One was in the Europa League. They have a little bit of a tight schedule, and that was not a good performance for him. Um, it was funny to see Mo Besic running around on that side too. Um, but from what I tell, they're building out in a 4-2-3-1, so he was, he was kind of sitting a little deeper than the other defensive mid. He just had this terrible giveaway, and, and um, you know they went down 2-0 in the first half, and he was playing, eventually subbed him out at halftime. I'm not, I'm not saying it was entirely all his fault. The giveaway was bad, but... That is a little bit of his negative. You know, sometimes he gets a loose, little loose with his touches. He makes some bad decisions. But in his defense, there's no way he's fully fit. Say he goes and blows the doors down, turns it around for these guys. Do we, do we think he has a future at Everton? Yeah, that's a that's a big solid no. We we wanted him to. We were really all holding out. But as the saying goes, we replaced Ghana with Ghana, and here we are. <laughs> you know Ryan loves that turn of phrase by the way oh. we're, we're not gonna let him get started nope <laughs> pipe down ryan no yeah time has passed 
we we hoped for so long. Like there were so many chances over like is JPG. We need a six. Is JPG going to play? He never played and he never will play. So safe travels. All the best. Happy trails. Sayonara. Well, I think the key, too, is is if you're going to sell these guys, you can't lose money on them just from a financial fair play standpoint. So when you send someone out on loan, assuming most of their wages are paid or at least a lot of their wages are paid, it's just another year of book value kind of gone, you know, and granted, you're incurring the amortization costs. That's true. But you're also getting closer and his contract's done in what? 2024. So he'll have one year left after this. What did we buy him for? Um, roughly, you know, like 25 million pounds, something like that. So his book value would be about five. So you think you'd be able to clear that. So let's hope he does play well because we could actually realize a decent book profit on him. And if he really actually starts playing well, someone would be willing to maybe pay me 10 million for the guy because he got the physical profile. I mean, he, he even on that league, which is a big boys league, he stands out. I mean, he looks like a monster out there. Uh, he looks like he's maybe had a few too many sandwiches, but, um, <laughs> you know, because he's not fit. Um, let's hope that changes. But let me tell you what, their jerseys are not flattering. Anyway, um, let's talk about Zhao, Virginia. Um, he is at Cambois. I don't know if I said that perfectly right, but I've heard it on so many different broadcasts pronounced differently. Um, look, he got shelled last time out, I think, against Ajax 4-0. Um but if you look at his numbers, they're actually exceptional. And I think by most accounts, he's been very good. Um, look, he's not really had a regular gig for a long time. So to me, I mean, the fact that he's in there, he's playing every match. Um, they lost one nil in the last match against Gron again. But again, you know, he gave up one goal, only had three shots against. But um, to me, this is only a good thing. And look, he's not old, right? I mean, he's 22 years old. But the real question is. He does well here. Does he come back into the Everton fold? I kind of think he might have a shot. Now, if he wants to play every week, different story. Now, but I think he signed in 2024, too. So keep in mind, he comes back, he'd have a year left. But Begovic is is a free agent in the summer. Um, Creelin is about his age. we got to figure out to do something with him. But I think he's got a year left, too. So we think there's a chance we might keep one of those two guys or maybe him or i mean i just think at, at that age it's so important for you to be playing and developing that backing up jordan pickford or whoever else it may be is not really going to be palatable for him so well think about this though too in the summer all these guys are free agents um not not in the summer but all these guys pardon me have a one year left pickford um Zhao and Creelin. begovic will be gone in theory so you got to make some decisions. Actually, um, I feel like a bunch of these guys too, a bunch of the other guys like Barrett and Laban are, are, are free agents too. So got to make some pretty big decisions at, at goalkeeper. I'll tell you, if Pickford comes back and keeps lighting it up, it'd be very interesting to see if even someone would come in for him, which I never thought was possible. But would you, would you sign Pickford to the extension now? I mean, that's something we got to consider. That being said, what's the number for Joe? Like if someone comes in and says, here's X amount of dollars, you let him go, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the number is, right? It feels so hard to judge because on his limited appearances for Everton, which is when I've primarily watched him, he was like like extremely shaky at best, right? Like I, that version of Joao that I've seen is is not anywhere near capable of, of you know, consistent Premier League play or anywhere close to it. And I don't, I don't know what that number would be, but, um, you know, I maybe think there's a... It'd probably still be a sign and loan, right? Give another chance somewhere else. The one thing I do like about him, he does seem like he's pretty decent with his feet. And I do think that's almost a requirement if you want to play the way Frank wants to play. So, I mean, if he could sign a couple year extension, it's not crazy to suggest he would be backup, but I mean, you're right, Alex. I mean, do you trust someone like that to be your back? Is that what you want as a backup keeper? I don't know. Yeah, I think he had to go with the tried and true vet. But uh, people forget, I mean, he was pretty highly touted when he arrived to us from Arsenal, and he was he was still very young then, and he's had some experiences that hopefully make him mentally stronger, namely the loan at Reading, I believe, where he conceded a couple howlers and then was plopped on the bench. But one for the so future. Bad. It's a, it's optimistic either way. It, it seems like he's playing really well. He looks confident in the sticks. He doesn't look like that guy we saw before, Alex, and I think that's... The biggest positive here. So, okay, let's go to a little different take on this one. Uh, Ryan Astley is only 20 years old still. Unbelievable. Uh, Welshman, he's at Accrington Stanley. He's playing every match. They're in League One, 90 minutes, bang, bang, bang. Um, again, his contract is up in the summer. I mean, he doesn't have ideal size as a center half. You know, he's not one of those super tall monsters, but um, 
I, I don't know. See, here's the real question. What do you do with a guy like this? Say he does really well. Well, he's free agent in the summer anyway. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Are you going to come in and sign him to a one-year extension and sell him? I mean, Brands did that a couple times with some people. I don't think we ever really recouped anything significant from that. I mean, you're not going to give him an extension, are you? I don't know. I mean, League One, he's only 20 years old. What do we think is the best case scenario? I legitimately thought he was like 27. I feel like he's been in the picture at a name that we've discussed. I did too. Forever. I think he's one that probably runs down his contract. And, and look, it's great that he's getting the time. The, I think he was really highly rated for a long time. But as you say, Ryan, like, is he really going to get in the picture for average and football club anytime soon? No. I think he'll find a home at a, at a lower league side and do quite well there. And uh, I think that's going to be true for a number of the guys we've got left to discuss. I, I think it also depends on your depth, right? Because you look at like you've got Reese Welsh, who has not signed a new deal yet, and he's a free agent this summer if he doesn't. So it's probably a little bit some of that hinges on that. You know, you've got Anderson out there, Cam, Elijah Campbell. You have some other guys that are there that maybe Astley's ahead of. So I guess it should depend on something like that. But yeah. All right. So let's talk about Tyler and Yango. He's the player we know a little bit more. Um, mixed bag so far at, at Burton Albion. It's nice though. He's only 19. So here's the thing. Like now that we've kind of right sized, um, that level, these guys are actually like young instead of being 23 and 24 years old. You know what I mean? Um, but look, I mean, it's been a mixed bag. I mean, he played 72 and 62 minutes in his first two matches and they got pounded. And then you didn't really see the squad until three weeks later. And then he came on in half leading 2-1 versus Cambridge and finished off the max, losing 3-4. to four. So uh, he only saw 16 minutes, I think, the match after that one. Played a little in the EFL trophy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, lost 2-1 to one to Oxford. He played 24 minutes again. I mean, he's not seen a ton of time, but he's playing a bit. Um, I thought he might struggle even at League One because he's a bit of an inconsistent player, but he's only 19. So what do we think the best-case scenario is for Tyler? Get as many minutes as possible, get as much experience as possible, and <clears throat> get him back and get him on another loan next year. Uh, you know, I, I think people are, can still, you know, obviously be excited about him. 19, as you said, there's not really any other scenario, I don't think. He's on longer term, too. I feel like he's 2025. Right. That's it. You're right, Alex. You're right. The progression. That's what we want to see here. Hopefully, by the end of the year, he's contributing better. He solidified himself as a contributor at League One, and maybe a championship team will take a shot at him or. Even he stays in League One another year at age 20 and plays every single match and really develops. There's nothing wrong with that either, right? That's not that's not crazy. And you got a feeling a tall guy like that might develop a little bit later anyway. So, all right, Lewis Warrington. I think this is a very interesting one because Frank talked a lot about wanting to keep him around. I had a feeling he was kind of keeping around for numbers until Ghana signed. That's, that's my guess. Um, he's on loan at Fleetwood Town. Some people seemed a little surprised by that in terms of the level. Um, I, I don't think so because I think his, his loan last year was at a relatively low level. So I, I don't think, I mean, you can't expect people to take chances. I mean, these are clubs and they have actual business to conduct. I mean, they don't want to waste a loan on someone that's not going to contribute that much. Um, he's 19. We've seen that he's a good passer. He's a solid player in midfield. He went 60 minutes in his first match a couple weekends ago. Um, came on down one nil in the 42nd and they finished four, one, or they finish 1-1. He's playing in a 4-2-3-1, I think, which is okay. I mean, I'd like to see him as a single defensive mid. Um, and I think what's even great is, too, um, yesterday, I think it is, really? They played yesterday, Fleetwood Town? And they won 1-0, and he went 104 minutes at right defensive mid. I mean, that is what I want to hear. You know what I mean? That's the type of stuff. 34-40 in passes, won a lot of duels, five interceptions, 12 recoveries. I mean... Big numbers. That's, yeah, that's what we want to see from him. And I mean, if he, I, I, best case scenario, this guy, I, I, I'll let you, I don't want to steal your thunder, but, and then does he have a future with us and when? I think he's one of the guys with probably the highest ceiling that we talked about so far. Whether that actually ends up with him playing for Everton, I think he's one, you know, if, if Frank Lampard's talking about you and he, we've known that Frank is going to give the young guys a chance and has done so already. He could find himself on the fringes of the squad in the next year or two, even if he does really well this year. If he's putting up defensive numbers like that, even at the level that he's currently playing at, that bodes really well for his development and his future. So I hope that he can continue that momentum and continue to play well. And and as you say, Ryan, maybe playing with two defensive mids stylistically doesn't fit perfectly, but it's close enough that he's still going to develop a lot of the skills that Frank would look for in a six going forward. 
So he does real well this year. League one kills it championship loan next year, or maybe into the, into the team. I mean, I think, I mean, he's got the quality. He looks like to do it. Uh, I'm not going to tell my story about how I stepped on his toe when he was in the States, but that's another one. Um, he seems to have recovered. Uh, let's talk about then Lewis Gibson. I feel like it's been forever since we got him from Newcastle system. Doesn't it feel like it? And yeah, I remember the discussion. He could play left back. He can play left center half and this, that, and the other thing. And we actually saw him play for Everton a couple of times. Um, he's at loan and Bristol Rovers. Um, they're in league one as well. I, at first I was like, why is this guy not playing? You know? And, and he finally kind of got back to back starts. He got up to speed at the end of August, lost one, tied one, didn't play the next match. I'm thinking, Oh my God, are you kidding me? This guy seriously can't play at this level. Um, but look, he got, he went 82 minutes in, in a match against Portsmouth. And then at the end of August, he went 105 in a tie against Shrewsbury town. Um, I don't think he played the match after that, but I don't know why. Either way, he's got he's a free agent in the summer. What do we think is the likely uh, best case scenario here? Yeah, I mean, the the best case scenario is is move him on for a little bit of money, if anything, right? So, I mean, it 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 is what it is. Foregone conclusion, I think. I almost think you could go back and listen. Maybe Alex and like he, it, it's probably one of the earlier episodes i feel like right after we started the pod that he might have signed as like a young kid and we were so excited about him but it's been <laughs> years now and it's always when the player gets like that one or two senior appearances and all of a sudden the expectations for them just go completely through the roof like oh my god he's good enough to get a first team appearance he's going to be a stud in a few years and then 99 percent of those guys never see the first team again so feels like gibson is kind of on that same path at 22 at the level he's at still young enough that he could still have a really good career but whether he's going to break through at the top level i think that door is probably pretty close to shut at this point see see hope is all we have as evertonians so we just latch on to literally every youth player possible if they're young <laughs> and they have a name they're the next best thing you I, was never, I was never remotely impressed by him and i i think he'll probably be gone in the summer for nothing anyway moving on uh <laughs> um lewis dobbin uh 19 years old on loan at darby darby county um again darby's in league one it's kind of weird to think about that you know and just i'm, I'm thinking like you know brian clough and and darby you know it's just strange to see them all the way down to league one we know they've had their troubles uh they'd love to get back up there um Played 60, played 90, was building up, you know, fitness, had an assist against Petersboro um, and then played a little bit in the EFL Cup and then then missed a game. I'm like, what is going on here? Came back uh, yesterday, I believe, and they lost 2-0 to Lincoln City. He did play 56 minutes. Um, he's getting some time. Uh, I would think he would do very well in League One. I've always been pretty impressed by him, even though he's only 19. What do we think's best case scenario again for Lewis? And do we think he has a long-term at least future with Everton? I think that was very much up in the air as recently as just a few months ago when we were unsure if he was going to you know, sign an extension with us. But he, he did. Seem, he, he did. signed through uh, summer 25. And again, the type of player who's been in and around the first team sees the first team a couple of times and all of a sudden the expectations are crazy high. I do think he's one who at least has a decent shot of seeing the first team because Probably not at a nine. I mean, he's really probably too too small and not physical enough. But as a winger, he's quick. We saw even in the glimpses we got of him last year that he's got some creativity. He's not afraid to try some things on the pitch. And if he can contribute for Darby, then I hope to see him on the fringes of the Everton squad because we could use a versatile winger, though I'd imagine we'll probably spend a big there in the coming months and uh, transfer windows. Yeah, yeah, the jury's out. But I just all I know is that as long as he's at the club, we're never going to stop seeing people say that he's he should be walking in at the number nine for us starting next weekend. Um, so I'm not that? looking forward to that part. What can we, someone explain that to me? He's not going to play. Not, I mean, really? Yeah, he's been playing left wing at, at Derby. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I hope he does well. I think this year. I think he does possibly have a future at Everton too. So he's definitely one that's worth paying attention to. So let's move on to Nathan Broadhead. He's been at Wigan. Uh, so far this year, um, I believe he did score in his second match. He's not playing much. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, he um, not not much at all. And I, I think yesterday he played for a whopping five minutes against Huddersfield. Did not play against Blackburn the match before. Um, 
didn't play in the EFL cup match either earlier, but I, I don't know if he had moved by then or not, but it was really close. I, I don't know. I think we all know what's, what's going on. He's, with him, he's right? free in the summer. What I don't understand though, what is the point of this move to begin with? I mean, it's just to move his tiny, his smaller wage off the books. Didn't seem to make any sense. It seemed that there was a time to move him out and try and get a small fee for him. It was in the summer. I don't know if no one came in for him. I find that a little bit surprising considering he was very effective last year. Um, really wish we would have sold him for a minimal fee. I can't imagine he's going to sign extension for a year and then get sold in the summer. Like some of the other guys, we think there's any chance anything happens other than he just leaving on a free this summer. Less than zero. The dude has been around for an eternity and has not broken through. He's done. Finito. All right. Harry Tyre. Uh, he's at Chester. This is a weird one. I got to admit. I mean, he it's, I mean, it's the national league North for heaven's sakes. Uh, he's given up 11 goals with an expected goals against of 7.91. Obviously that is not very good. Um, <laughs> the last match I watched to his, I just watched the goals. Well, he gave up a penalty. Then he gave up a 50 yard shot from being way off his line from that midfield. Uh, then he came off his line another time. He got beat with the poor same chance. I watched some of his other games, just saves because goalies are easy to watch. He actually made some pretty good saves. He's a good catch, but I did see him wearing a hat in several matches. Ah, uh, yes. You- throwing it back. What do you feel about the hat? I've heard people say they hate the hat. I think it's kind of a funny, funny look. The baseball cap, as the announcers always say. You think it's a funny look? It it looks very out of place. Like, I think that's judgmental. What did we say about that earlier, James? That's true. That's fair. (laughs) I mean, not great numbers. It's definitely not a great level. Weird well, signing in general. Let's let's put it this way: after his fantastic performance against Kings Lynn. You never heard of Kingsland um, in that three, three tie, which is basically him just absolutely not doing very well. Uh, he did not, did not play in the next match against Spennymore town. And he didn't play against Southport, which is just dagger. Cause it's right up the road. Right. So no, that's not Southport. What am I talking about here? If you don't play well, what is it? Spennyport? Well, he didn't even play against Southport FC at the pure stadium, the pure stadium. That's what it is. It's actually kind not of big enough. for then. No, that is our that is our Southport. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that stadium's full capacity was six thousand. Anyway, the point is he hasn't played the last two matches, so I think it's probably worth asking what's going on here. And obviously, things aren't going particularly well for for Harry. Um, he does look enormous though when he's in goal for these guys. Uh, but look, the bottom line is he's still very young. He signed with us for multiple years. You'd like to see him do better. See, that's a lie. See, Y Scout has him actually having played against Southport. So let's hope that is the case. And they won one nil and he and he had a shutout jerks. So anyway, that's a good sign. Yay. I'm going to totally change my mind now. Apparently, look, I mean, the positive here is let's hope he does really, really well. They absolutely love him. And he comes back because we're not selling him after like this is not an advertisement. No one's going to buy him because he did well in the National League. No, right. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, so whatever. But um. I mean, look, you know, he, he's still young and, and he's played some internationally. So um, I don't know. I He's looked good when I've seen him. He looks a little awkward, but sometimes it's hard to tell. I mean, he's a young kid, whatever. I, I, I It's just a weird loan, frankly. The only, you know, and actually sometimes the way they do this is he just goes and plays with Chester. He doesn't even train with him. Really? Like yeah, sometimes. Just... Sometimes. I mean, Chester's really close. I mean, it's, it's. You know, I've, I mean, I've been to Chester. He just shows up on match day. He's like, all right, Gaffer, put me I'm in I'm not squad. saying that's what he does, but I am saying that that, is, that isn't uncommon. Uh, that does happen a lot. Um, but look, he leads me into a bigger question, too, because I, I think the ultimate question is that some of these U21 guys, we have decisions to make. on, And um, we got a lot of these guys that are out of contract in the summer. Now, Harry's not one of them, but we have a lot of keepers. So Zach LeBan, Barrett, Kyle John is 21 years old now crazy because he looks like he's about 10 um reese welch i already mentioned him um that's a big one for the summer right and uh mckenzie hunt he's 20 another one gibson we talked about him um iverson i feel very bad because he's had all sorts of knee issues whatsoever he's 21 and was very promising at one point um we extended him even though he hasn't played yet this year sean mccallister's 19 isaac price is the other big one he's 18 Whitaker, Quirk, Higgins, Butterfield, Kuyate, who I like at 19, and Jacques Pata, I think, is fine. He's, I don't know if you know who he is. He's born in Italy, 17. He's actually gotten a little bit of time with the U21s. I don't know his contract status. But of all these names, is there anyone in there that you look at and be like, 
we better sign him. Like, what is the point of having an academy if we don't? I haven't seen enough of them to know, right? Like, unless you're scouting like the youth teams and watching the U21 games. But yeah, I mean, Isaac Price is the guy kind of that we've seen a little bit of that looks a decent article. I think the guys that are pushing 21, 22 years old and they're really not, you got to be looking to get them out and just free up space for other younger guys who actually have more time and uh, potential and higher ceilings and just more time to realize that potential. And I think we've for so long had the pipeline so crowded, as you said earlier, Ryan, with guys who are way too old and we're doing much better in that regard, but I still think we can improve. So I think you kind of got to clear the pipeline, give guys, and it helps with recruitment too. And you can offer guys clear pathways, um, even from a, from a young age that they will have opportunities to move up the ranks. Welsh, I think, and Price are the two ones that stand out for me. I, I like Kuyate. I've seen him. I think we need more dynamic attacking players. But yeah, when you're looking at guys on loan like Dobbins, who like Dobbin, who is 19, you know, you're looking at midfielders here on this team, and Nyango is on loan at 19, you know. So we've got some depth and some younger players out there. I mean, even what we said, like Brantwaite is 20. Um, so those are the kind of decisions that we're going to have to make. And I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, that being said, we did see a signing, um, at least a, uh, professional contract signing. Um, Everton did secure and sign 16 year old left back Ishi Samuel Smith. Um, his twin brother is Odin Samuel Smith, who's also on the U 18s and he's an England youth international. I don't know too much about him other than the fact that he's got size. I- I've heard he has good pace. And he's a big talent. And um, I think this is encouraging because there's no one I look at and say it left back that, um, at least in the youth group, that that I really feel like he he's blocked. And I mean, there's, there's almost not really a standout pure left back. I mean, you've got kind of guys masquerading there as, as left back and whatnot. So I, I think this is a very positive thing. Yeah, he was pictured in uh, full training with the Everton team, uh, I think this last week. So that's exciting as well. I think everyone is going to be uh, clamoring to call him the next best left back out there. So we await. But he is the next best back out there because he's the only left back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't know. It's a stretch to say someone at 16 is going to jump into the Premier League too. But um, we saw that with Thierry Small who left. Um, so I, I <clears throat> look, I mean, but these are the types of moves. play for Southampton. Not at all. Uh, we're going to see these types of moves, though, right? I mean, as we see these, we're going to probably know a little bit better how many of these guys who are hitting 1920 that we even bother with, I think, from this on out. But either way, this stuff's always encouraging. Um, other than that, my only parting thoughts were it was very interesting to watch some of the players that we were linked with this summer and how some of them have done exceptionally well. And unfortunately, people will cry and whine about how we've missed out at them. We've also heard some crazy opinions that, well, at least we're finally our scouts are finally on the right track in identifying these real talents, whereas they weren't doing that before. Little do these individuals know that that's not how scouting works. A guy like Mohamed Kudis was scouted years ago when he was coming out of Norgeland uh, when he signed with them out of right to dream. So knowing that these things are absolutely true, when you see someone like this, uh, Mudrik show up and, and do so well and Mohamed Kudis, um, Obviously, it makes it harder to secure them in the future. Um, but fans shouldn't look at this and say, oh, geez, massive opportunity lost. We'll never find another guy because there are new guys like this every year. Right. So, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to suggest and I'm kind of curious your thoughts that the focus should be on finding these guys before they break out like this. You know, and maybe this summer you could argue was was the one. But both these guys have been playing at a top level already. It's you want to find and create the pathways for the guy that you sign, that you can work in off the bench and be at this level really soon. Um, I don't think we should be disheartened that these guys are performing so well, should we? No, I don't think so. But it is always just we we thought the Kudus deal was close. Everyone was super optimistic. And then he's just out bagging goals for fun as a striker. You know, that that type of stuff hurts you as a fan. And yeah, Ryan, you're obviously more in touch with the depth of talent throughout Europe and the, I guess, you know, globe as a whole. But the average fan's not. So, like, they haven't heard of Mohamed Kudus until we're linked with him. And then all of a sudden he's tearing it up and it's like, we were so close. And the same thing with, like, Luis Diaz not long ago. And now he's gone to the other side of the park. So those things are frustrating, but you're right. You want to be scouting these guys well before they're playing for Champions League squads already. And 
doing really well. So I still think there's plenty of optimism. Plenty We'll find the next guy. And I do think the scouting department, based on recent evidence, is on the right track. And we're on a, a good trajectory as a club as a whole for the most part. I don't think we've lost Kudis, by the way. Okay. I'll give you my quick hot take, and then I think I like we it. can wrap it up. All right. Look, the bottom line is they signed Ocampos. So he's got to play somewhere. There's no way you got a guy like that that it wasn't going to play. You originally moved Tadic inside. And so you were playing guys like Taylor and Burkweiss way ahead of him. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they're seriously going to sit Brian Brobby on the bench and not play him at striker when they pay that much for him. So these are things that you want to finally be in a position in January to, to find that type of player who maybe feels left out that you liked, that you can get, that you build a relationship with. So if it's not Mohamed Kudis, we also have our loans left too. Let's not forget about that. We should be in good position in January. So anyway, that's my parting thoughts on that. Not all is lost. This stuff shouldn't dishearten you at all. Uh, the fact that we're in the mix with some of these really top talents and the fact that had things played out a little bit differently, Kudis, I think, would have come. I don't think Murderick would have would have ever came. Um, I think he's looking for a Champions League team. But anyway, I think we should be feel good about these types of things. We made no big major mistake by signing an overpriced old guy in the window. And it set us up for the opportunity to start to bring some of these guys in. So those are my parting words. Any last thoughts, gentlemen? I think that's a great place to wrap this episode. We appreciate everyone for tuning in and listening to this episode of the ATP. As a reminder, rating, review, podcast platform of choice, all that good stuff. Social medias uh, at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find the links in the description. Discord invite.gg slash ATP. Otherwise, we'll be with you following the match this weekend against West Ham. Hopefully a victory. And uh, until then, until next time, up the toffees. <laughs>